Welcome to the Glittering Bell Jar, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Valerie. And I'm Bree. We're two writers and Harry Potter fans. In this podcast, we explore the Harry Potter series by reading it backwards. As you might recall, Harry and his friends discover the power of the Glittering Bell Jar in the Department of Mysteries as it causes objects to move backward and forward through time. We're doing the same thing each week, working backwards through a few chapters, starting with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Ready to explore Harry Potter in a new way? Then join us in the Glittering Bell Jar. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Glittering Bell Jar. We are in season two, and we are reading the Half-Blood Prince backward. This season, we are doing something a little bit different. We are reading one chapter and talking about it per episode. So quick 15, 20 minutes to get you through your day. Yeah, uh, Valerie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You said 15 minutes and then sometimes we have shorties. I, I was calling them all shorties, but last <laughs> episode was a little bit shorter than usual. So uh, if you listen to that episode and now you're listening to this one, we'd love your feedback. Do you like them a little bit longer? Did we miss anything that we should have included? Anyway, that's just the plug. Reach out to us. Leave us a review. Find us on social at BellJarPod, whatever. Uh, but I am good. Thank you. It is a little bit chilly today. I, you, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I'm wearing like a long sleeve shirt and a vest and that's literally the opposite of a few days ago when we started filming this season and recording this season when I was in like a t-shirt and it was sunny. I'm like, thanks, Ohio. This is very normal summer weather here. That is wild. That's kind of like Denver because I know Colorado's like that right now too, where they're about to have like a big snowstorm. So I guess you're kind of in that, kind of in that area. Not really, but. <laughs> yeah, ours is rain. We're, we're out of the snow season, thank goodness. Mm. But anyway, how are things for you? Good, good. Uh, it's getting hot here, but again, it's North Carolina. So that is to be expected. Did a little sunbathing today for like 20 minutes instead of, I was feeling kind of tired. So I just went outside and sunbathed. So that was nice. It's funny you went sunbathing. I went into the tanning bed and I know, I know listeners, tanning <laughs> beds are terrible. I don't go in for very long and I do it strictly. I call it, I like think of it medicinally. It's like my body needs sunshine. I need to warm myself and have a little bit of sunshine and like UV on my skin. And there's no sun right now. So that is why I did it. But it's funny, like you got actual sun. I would love to have actual sun. That sounds great. (laughs) Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Are we ready to jump into today's episode? Absolutely. Cool. So we are on chapter 21, The Unknowable Room. As a reminder, this is not where the book starts or ends. So if you want to know what's going on, what we're talking about, what we're referencing, we make lots of references cross episode. Go back and start at episode one. It's just going to make so much more sense. And with that, we will jump into The Unknowable Room with Bree. Okay. So Harry is obsessed with getting into the room of requirement to find out exactly what Malfoy has been up up to. They learn that Crabbe and Goyle have been using Polyjuice Potion and guarding the room when Malfoy is in it and they're in disguise. Harry attempts many times to get into the room, but no matter what he focuses on, he still cannot manage to get the room to open itself to him. And as usual, we always start by reading the last sentence of the chapter first. And again, I have to do a little bit more than one sentence because it doesn't make sense without a context around it. But Goes back to what I said, doesn't it? Said Ron, who is now shoveling mashed potato into his mouth. She's gone a bit funny, lost her nerve. Women, he said wisely to Harry, they're easily upset. And yet, said Hermione, coming out of her reverie, I doubt you'd find a woman who sulked for half an hour because Madame Rosemurda didn't laugh at their joke about the hag, the healer, and the mimbleless mimbletonia. Ron scowled. <laughs> that's what he gets. Yeah, and that's probably one of the lightest ending of a chapter that we've ever had in like a book and a half at this point. They're always like cliffhanger drama. And this one's a joke about yeah, Mimulus Mimbletonia, which I had a little bit of trouble getting out of my mouth today. I mean, I'm impressed you got it. I wouldn't have. <laughs> I almost got it. I was close. <laughs> 
Okay, so what do you have in this chapter? Where should we start? You know, I think the main thing that I got out of this chapter is just that we've been finding similarities between Snape and Harry. And another thing I noticed was, we kind of talked about it last episode, Harry is obsessed with Malfoy and what he's doing the same way Snape was obsessed with James and the gang. He's literally dreaming about him. He literally dreamed that Malfoy turned into Slughorn, who turned into Snape, which I found that dream interesting. I was curious what you thought of that. Yeah, I was going to say, because we talked last season about how I think Harry has prophetic dreams or like semi-prophetic dreams. When he dreams, he dreams these weird symbolisms and stuff that actually often end up being important. And I don't know how Slughorn fits into it, but I would not have been, it would not have surprised me at all if if Malfoy had turned into Snape. That would have made perfect sense to me. Yeah. Okay. So I was curious if you had anything, like you saw anything of that dream. I was like, it has to mean something, right? But maybe just because he's obsessing about Malfoy and Slughorn and Snape. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes a dream is just a dream. I don't know. But that one was one, again, where I was like, Harry's dreaming. I want to pay attention to it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very true. So what what did you find other than the similarities between Harry and Snape? And I'm obviously happy to talk about that, you know, all day long. Did you notice that? Did you notice anything else? Well, I will say I think it's kind of funny how much Snape is in this chapter, considering he's not in this chapter, really. You know, like he's not an important character in Harry's life at this particular moment. He's supposed to be getting the memory from Slughorn and he's obsessed with Malfoy. And yet Snape keeps like dropping in and out of the story. In particular, what I flagged was the fact that Snape sent them an essay to write about the best way to tackle Dementors and Harry disagreed with him on the best way to do it. And I was sitting there like, there's more than one way. Like I thought there was only one way. And what way is Snape advising? Because we know Harry's advising the Patronus charm. So what on earth is Snape advising as an alternative way to get rid of Dementors? I don't know, but I thought it was funny that this essay and Snape and, you know, Snape's class was such a still such a thing that like gets under Harry's skin, even with everything else he has going on. Interesting. Yeah, I I didn't even think about that. I guess I was thinking maybe Snape like brings up his Patronus a different way other than happy memories, but that wouldn't track because he does use love because his Patronus is, you know, the same as Lily's and that, you know, is proof of love. So I don't know. That is super interesting. Did you find it funny how there's all these little clues letting us know that the Half-Blood Prince is Snape? Hermione even tells Harry that if she would have, he would have listened to Snape in their first year, he would have known how to save Ron either way. Yeah, it's literally the first potions lesson they ever attend. Snape tells the class that a bizarre, that's how I say it, I don't know, that's probably not correct, is a way that you can counteract most poisons. And then, of course, it's, you know, in the Half-Blood Prince's version of advanced potion making, but I'm pretty sure there, it's like how to make an antidote to common poisons and the note scribbled at the bottom is just shove a bourgeois down their throats so it's like it is very much snape but also very snape in different phases of life you know like teenage snape is like a little irreverent and then there's teacher snape who is actually trying to teach them yeah yeah very true so the last thing that i have is actually moving from snape over to malfoy who is arguably the center of this chapter and it's it's not even has doesn't even have to do with malfoy it has to do with moaning myrtle and her description of him so backstory to what we're talking about in the chapter right now harry and Ron uh, come out of class, ditch Lavender to go into the boys' bathroom, and they're talking about all kinds of different things that they talk about. But Myrtle pops into the conversation and says, you know, oh, I thought you were him. And they don't say who, but they sort of infer like it's Malfoy. And she describes him as sensitive. People bully him too. And he feels lonely and he hasn't got anyone to talk to. He's not afraid to show his feelings and cry, which gives you a real insight into how much stress this is putting on Malfoy, that he is he does not present that way to anyone outside, but he's crying in the bathroom at 16 years old 
that's quite a emotional distress to be in for a young man, you know, generally, and we've talked about this before, young men in this universe, and broadly speaking, don't express their emotions and don't talk to each other. And Malfoy's doing the same thing, but he's actually at least confiding in Moaning Myrtle of all people. Yeah, yeah, I did have that flagged as well. And I, it would have been interesting to have that dialogue. You know, we got like a, a split second of it with him and Moaning Myrtle in episodes past, but not enough of it, you know, not to see that like, I feel like there is a different side to Malfoy that the books allude to, but we never get to know. And I think if you go off of, you know, what J.K. Rowling has said in the future is that he does get married and he does fall in love and he loves his family very much. And, you know, he may not be perfect, but he does become this um, a different kind of person. Mm -hmm. It also sort of is a reflection of the experience for Hogwarts students as a whole of how much privacy they have. Because if you think about it, these students have nowhere private. They don't have a private bedroom. They don't, I mean, these aren't even private bathrooms as evidenced by the fact that in the chapter of Sectum Sempra, Harry walks in and he's there crying, talking to Myrtle. So, you know, it's interesting because if you think about it, this, the students don't have anywhere that they can go and process their emotions in a private way with support or without support. They have the bathrooms and oftentimes like, in Sorcerer's Stone, Hermione gets upset when Ron insults her and she runs into the bathroom and then they have the troll encounter. Like, that's where they have to go if they want to be alone. And that's a little bit, I guess, sad to me that, that as students at a boarding school, they wouldn't have any sort of support system. So I wonder now, like, does Madame Pomfrey do counseling also? She does all the health and wellness and magic healing. Like, could students utilize her as a counselor? Who would they talk to? I'm just sort of curious thinking about it now. I mean, maybe. I would think they would talk to their head of house so like McGonagall or you know Snape <laughs> uh, I don't know if I would... yeah that's probably why Malfoy's not talking to them. <laughs> yeah very much so um I had one last thing it's more of a question I feel like you'll know what it is just because I couldn't remember so we know Tonks is upset and we're assuming it's because she is in uh love with Lupin which is kind of funny because Harry actually is very intuitive and he does pick up on the fact that she is in love with someone she is very upset but obviously he thinks it was serious and not Lupin but why is she pale is it just because she's like so upset but in the previous chapters it mentioned she looks so pale like Malfoy had from not spending any time outdoors mm-hmm well, she's been on guard duty in Hogwarts, so it's possible that she is just not going outside very much. I mean, we're coming out of winter in northern Britain. But I would think it's more of a physical manifestation of her stress, just like it is for Malfoy, where she's probably not eating very well. She's probably not sleeping very well. So it's not like she's out like you and I were getting her raise in. You know, like if she's taking downtime, it's not to be active outdoors or anything like that. It's probably just being alone by herself and dealing with her emotions. And so she she looks pale. That would be my guess. Okay, that's fair. I, I guess I don't have an answer. I have, a, I have, a, I have an educated guess. <laughs> that is okay. I just wanted to make sure that that was it. and There wasn't something, you know, I missed. No, I don't think so. I, and I think also it's important to remember that she is a metamorph magus. And so she probably can even change her skin tone. And so it, when she's not engaging her magic, she just defaults back to like a very neutral, pale British person. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I know there are British people of all kinds of skin colors, but like I, for a white British person, which we assume she is, of course, we're making all kinds of assumptions about her skin tone that we don't know. And J.K. Rowling has in the past said that people are are of different colors that we assume that they're all white and they're not. But maybe, you know, I think that that's probably, she just defaults back to white British person. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, that's all I had in this episode. Do you have anything else you wanted to cover? Nope, that was it. Okay. Well, with that, let's wrap it up. Let's keep it short and sweet. Let's keep the people wanting more, <laughs> as they say. 
Do they say that? I say that. I say it. Do you want more? Don't you want more? If you do want more, or if you want less, I guess, please go and leave us a five-star rating and review. You can grab your phone and put it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can head on over to YouTube and leave a comment and a like on one of the videos. This video, I have a whole playlist of this entire season on my channel. And you can reach out to us on social media, too. Yeah. Head over to Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Almost got confused on the name. That's how old I'm getting. Uh, Bell Jar Pod. <laughs> you can DM me. You're welcome to share something. Duet us. Make a reel about our stuff, please. Or if you have something you want to say and you don't want to do any of those things, feel free to email us. It is podcast at followthebutterflies.com. Followthebutterflies.com is an incredible website that Valerie has created herself and it is everything Harry Potter you could ever want and more. So feel free to check that out as well. And more importantly, if you want to see all the faces that we are making, because let me tell you, we have a lot of them, head over to YouTube and you can listen and watch us at the same time. Yeah, we've been doing YouTube all this time. We haven't really been promoting it, but it's there if you like. If you're a YouTube kind of podcast consumer, which there's a whole segment of the market like that, you are not alone. In fact, this week, I would like you to find someone else who likes to watch slash listen to podcasts on YouTube and share us with them. You can share the podcast and say, hey, these people are on YouTube, or you can go over to YouTube and grab the YouTube link and share it with them. I'm sure they'll appreciate it because... If they're anything like me, they're always looking for new podcasts. And we really appreciate that word of mouth recommendation from people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we will see you tomorrow. All right. See you next episode. Glittering Bell Jar is a Harry Potter podcast produced by the Calibro Group in partnership with Wild Goose Creatives. It is an unofficial fan project and is not authorized, approved, licensed, or endorsed by J.K. Rowling, her publishers, or Warner Brothers Entertainment Incorporated. Our theme music is Carnival of the Animals R125, Aquarium by Moments, licensed via Soundstripe. You can discover even more magic on followthebutterflies.com.